0: Past past titles is The Seed and the Imperishable Word. And the scripture comes from First Peter First chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. And I'm going to read it out for you. For you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of the imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Sunday, Lord. Thank you for um, just giving me the opportunity once again to come up here and just uh, speak your word, Lord. Speak through me, use me, and just give me the boldness and courage to um, just really get out what you want me to get out lord in all things we pray in your name amen you know i think we must be all getting sick of hearing you know COVID 19 sermons right over and over again but i swear this isn't a COVID 19 sermon but i'm gonna i'm trying to get to a point here and i think such as a time as this this sermon is really relevant you know we feel as as if this coronavirus will never go away. You know, every news cycle is about the coronavirus or riots or whatever it may be, just grim news every single day, people dying, people being infected. We can't, we can't, even, we can't even do the things we used to do, such as going to the movies, uh, to the gyms, to the theaters, congregate together in, in groups, even coming to church. Those things have all been taken away. In a sense, some of us may feel like this might be gone, this might be going forever, this might happen forever. But not, it feels like nothing will go back to normal. And we're stuck. And we feel like business, businesses will continue to fail. People will continue to die. And we will, we will all continue to struggle. It's a, sad, it's a sad reality to think of. But even a time as this will pass. And I bet every person alive who has suffered through a pandemic, they must be really old if they did, thought the same thing, that this was gonna be forever. But even then, those times have passed. Nothing is forever except one thing, one person, Jesus Christ himself, God, the deity, the living word. And through him, you will also find life in him forever it says you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but an unperishable, unperishable one. But it all says in the word, in the verse, through the living and enduring word of God. You know, when we are when we first born into this world, we are born into a finite, finite world. We are born into a physical world filled with sin. It is not an eternal life, but we will all eventually die, that's the given. But Jesus gives us hope by having us reborn with an unperishable seed. A spiritual rebirth which is into a world which comes with hope for the future. And hope is the key word here. Although hope isn't used in this verse I am preaching in, if you read the first book of Peter, hope is one of the main themes of that book. But But what is hope? Hope is the conviction that something will happen in the future. And you know, how many of us, during this very difficult time, are having trouble having hope? I know I am, and I know a lot of people are struggling with that as well. Which I totally get, because this is truly, truly an unprecedented time. I know a lot of the church members are struggling, you know, financially, whatever it may be and with other things. But you must have hope. But that, mu- but that hope must have a basis. It's not, like the, it's not like I have hope that the sun will come again the next morning. That's not hope. That's, the, that's knowledge because that's happened every single day. Unless you think uh, the, end days are, the end days are near and the sun might not rise up in the morning for, for all you eschatologists out there. Justin, you know. But hope, but hope comes from the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And if Jesus was raised from the dead by God, then God will also raise the ones who trust in Jesus. It's a promise that's been given throughout all the New Testament, repeated, all, repeated over and over and over again. In the darkest of days, in the most painful times, Jesus is the hope, and he will help you out. So the strength of hope is based on the promise of Jesus. You know, a big part of faith in Jesus is to have hope in the darkest of times and the hardest of times, times such as this. Hope that this too will pass. Hope that Jesus will restore everything and make everything back to what it used to be or maybe better, hopefully even better. Remember, hoping God is to help you, is to help you get through these times. As a Christian, a hallmark of a strong Christian is actually having hope. If you have hope, it's because you have been born with an unperishable seed. The living word never dies. It is the enduring word of God. The living word of God, as Hebrew four twelve states, for the word of for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to the two, dividing soul and spirit, joints and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, as God's living word, Jesus, he is still active and living. He is sharper than any sword, the, sharp, sharper than, the sharpest of things. And his, and his words can read right through your heart. It can see right through you. Jesus knows your heart. So why is Jesus called the living word of God? Well, Jesus called the word of God because he's the fullest and most precise expression of who God is. John 1-1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So you see the power of the living word, who is Jesus, who gives hope, who lives, is the living word. You know The verse says, all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers, and the flowers fall. You know, this points out the mortality of humans. And I think I repeated this last week, but I feel like this is something that needs to be mentioned. Our lives are so short. And this fact that our lives are so short is very important for us to realize. And, it's, and that, that idea that our life is short needs to be repeated and repeated and repeated again. A lot of us are young, a lot of us, and we feel invincible we feel that nothing bad will happen to us we have a sense that since we are young we have no fear of death but nothing is promised to you nothing proverbs 21:27:1 states do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what the day may bring you might die the next day you never know you never know what might happen you might be in a car accident Something terrible might happen to you. So the next day you wake up there's a blessing. And what are you going to do with that blessing? What are you going to do with that day that God gave you? Will you waste it? By napping all day? By doing frivolous things? Or will you take the gift of another day? And live that day for God? You know, we were all young at some point. And some of us are still young. And our lives are short, but we were, all, we, were all, we were all like beautiful flowers. But as people and flowers, people as flowers, they wither away, they die. That's a given. The grass withers and the flowers fall. That's what the verse says. This is, this is describing the physical life that we live. We are born and then we all die. That is a promise. Nobody lives forever in the physical world. That's the one thing that is for sure. And that is the one thing that all humans share in common, that we will one day die. That's why it talks about the perishable seed. And that is how life is described as. But the unperishable seed gives the spiritual life and eternal life, and that we will re- be reborn through with Jesus. Peter says that we have been reborn by the spiritual seed. And here is a short story of being reborn with that spiritual seed. I think this story really encapsulates that, that uh, idea of being reborn of the spiritual seed. It says, my parents are Chinese. They manage a restaurant here in Panama And because of the enormous amount of work that running a restaurant represents, they had very little time for me. They didn't have time to raise me as a child, so they made the decision to hire a lady to take care of me. Afterwards, for rather unclear reasons, they decided to abandon me, leave me, and have her take care of me as basically my mother my family name was never changed, and because this, this adoption process was never a formal one, as far as I have memory, I was always lived with this Panamanian family. As a child, I was not affected by being an adopted child, but as I got older, I began wondering, why did my parents not want me? I felt very misunderstood. Wary, hopeless. I told myself, if you cannot even trust your own parents, who are you supposed to love? Who's supposed to love you the most? And how are you supposed to trust others? Then I got into Panama National University Nursing School. But soon afterwards, I decided to change and join the psychology school. What I was looking for in that career were answers to why my parents would leave, why my parents would abandon me. I wanted to understand the human mind and why people did the things they did. My first year was something very disastrous. I did not manage to adapt. My Panamanian mother suffered chronic renal, you know, renal renal disease, renal issues which became worse every single day, it seemed. And my father also became bedridden. And I was responsible for taking care of the little niece. So I remember crying because I could not manage the weight of being that one in charge of the house. I was feeling so, so depressed. And I could not find peace anywhere. Anywhere I went, I could not find that peace. Everything seemed dark to me. But on, but on September 29th, I locked myself into my room and I remember I cried that day for four hours straight. The next day I went into the university with big dark sunglasses to hide my eyes because they were swollen from crying all night. And I was afraid people would, people would start to ask, what happened? I felt very insecure about telling anybody about what I was going through. You know, I went to the cafeteria to grab chocolate because I thought that sweet chocolate could help me feel just a little bit better, fill that empty space in my chest. I sat on the bench looking everywhere. And if I was, as if, as if I was waiting for something or waiting for someone, then suddenly, two young women approached and asked me if they could have a little talk with me. Without thinking, I said yes. Her name was Daniela Suarez and her disciple, Zora Morales, and they showed me some pictures and asked me what they meant to me. In that moment, I broke down crying and asked "If if God exists, where are the Where are the bad things in the world? Why are there bad things in the world? They shared John 3.16 with me and then showed me the four spiritual laws. I tearfully accepted Jesus Christ that day as my Lord and Savior. A few days later, they introduced me to Solange Jarmillo, a student leader of the student life in Panama. And in those past, in the last five months, He and many others have shown me life from another perspective, life from the perspective of Jesus Christ. I have purpose in life now. God never abandoned me like my parents did. Even though sometimes it feels like he might, but he never ever abandoned me. And I realized that. And all, all that happened was, all I needed to do was kneel, kneel to God and pray at the feet of the Lord to accept that we are sinners and weak, and that there are things that, in our strength that we, cannot do on our own, that we cannot do on our own, and that we cannot fight. But there is hope, and that hope is Jesus. And when I knelt down and prayed, the Lord heard my cry. I am not alone. He loves me because he sent his only son to pay for my sins. He dried my tears. And he continues picking me up when I fall, and he gave me a new life, reborn with that unperishable seed. You know, this story perfectly sums up that reborn life of that spiritual seed, of that spiritual seed, the unperishable one, where one finds hope and in eternal life in Jesus Christ. But the next verse says, "But the word of the Lord endures forever." And this is this was the word that was preached to you. So what does the what does the Lord what does the word of the Lord endures forever mean? Well, it could mean that Jesus is forever, which he is, as he is the living word. But I also believe when he says the Lord of the Word endures forever, it means that the Bible is forever. It endures with the times, it evolves with the times. The word is not stagnant, or it's not a dead book. But the book of the Bible lives. It is a living book. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, you see how many books, you see how this book always has applications in any era. Any, 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 Any era, any time that we're living in, the Bible always has applications for everyone. It's because this book is living evolving with the times. And don't get, me, don't get me twisted when I say evolving. I don't mean that the book is changing or the words are changing or anything like that. All I'm saying is that the book is staying relevant throughout all time. Through every situation, the Bible still has a meaning and power. No matter what era we live in, the Bible has the power to change and transform and to give people who read it the message of God. And I have some reasons why I say that the book lives and is enduring, because, because of its lasting freshness in every generation, in every age, in every person that picks it up, it's alive and living. It's fresh. There are many other, there are many other books in the libraries You can read those books a couple of times, but you get tired of them. You throw them away, and you put it back. But the Bible, you can never exhaust it. You can keep reading the Bible over and over again, and you'll learn something new from it every single time, no matter how many times you read it. The Bible's never obsolete. You know, one time I went to a book sale and I browsed through all the racks. And do you know why there were so many books on these racks and why they were so cheap? It's because these books no one wanted. No one wanted no one wanted them. They were obsolete. They were old. No one wanted to read them. But the Bible is living, it's never obsolete. It always has meaning. Always has the power. Never is it, never is it destructible. It's indestructible. It is forever. You know, DeWitt DeWitt Tallmangle once said that every great book that has ever been published since the first printing press was lifted has directly or indirectly derived much of its source from the word of God. The book, the Bible, is a discerner of hearts it has the power to see into all of us. The Bible is able to rip a man or woman wide open and reveal to him or her who or he or who or who that person really is. It even has the power to detect our motives. It can read us. It can see our motives. It can look through us. And it really, really just exposes us when you read the Bible. And you know what? It also discerns your needs, and it uncovers our rep- repressions. The Bible tells who you are. It produces growth. In the, parable the sour, the, in the parable of the sower, it is likened to a seed, because both the word and the seed are growing things. The main verse I used, first, uh, 1 Peter 1, 23, it says, for you have been born again, not of the seed, which is perishable, but is imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. See, not only is the word the seed itself, but the agency which conveys the seed. The word of God produces life. And it is the word of God that you hear that produces that life. The test of whether something is a living thing is whether it produces growth. And the word of God there's plenty of that. Therefore, it is alive. You see, Christians who read the Bible diligently grow exponentially compared to those who don't. It's like night and day. People who read the Bible grow. They're like seven feet. People who don't, people who don't read, they're like two feet. You know, the, <laughs> that's the crazy power and the living word that the Bible is, and, that, and how much power it has to produce. The word of God can create a seed in you that is incorruptible, and you will be raised in hope of a better world than, than that of the physical one. James, in talking about how Christians are made, says, by the exercise of God's will, he brought us forth. By the word of truth, making us into the first fruits among his creatures. It's simply the word of God that does this. It is the word of God that plants a seed that springs into new life. This new birth is accomplished by the Holy Spirit using the word of God. That is how Christians are conceived. That is how sons and daughters of God are created. The only way you can become a child of God is to be reborn by the imperishable seed of a new life. And when a person truly hears the word of God and receives it into their heart, that, that word becomes a spiritual seed. And it is watered by the Holy Spirit and it produces new life. What is the one thing that is absolutely necessary to be saved? It is the word of God. And it is the belief that Jesus Christ died for our sins. It is the spirit of God using the word of God that produces life. Second Timothy 2.15 calls it the living truth. Someone comes to me and says, I am evil. I am lost. I am on my way to hell. Give me some truth. I would say it's simple. The word of God is the living truth. Pick up the Bible. It's able to quicken and make make people alive. So truly, the Bible is the word of God and the word is alive. It's able to give life. It sustains life. In Peter, in 1 Peter chapter two, verse two, Peter says, desire the word to grow like unborn babies long for milk. You long for the word of God. That makes you alive. And then by feeding on it, it it sustains your life. You know, I think that's why we see so many hungry, emaciated Christians and weak Christians. It's because they suffer from malnutrition. They're not reading the living word, they're not living They're not reading the enduring word of God. And it's because they're not reading this book, they're not feeding themselves. They're not feeding themselves with this milk, the milk that is the word of God. They never studied the word, and that's why they're undernourished. Jeremiah 15, 16 said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was the joy and delight of my heart. Jeremiah literally eat the word of God, and it says, it brought him joy and delight. Peter says, desire the milk of the word. Some Christians, just because they haven't read from the Bible, they haven't read the book, they're undernourished, they can't tell right from wrong. First Timothy four, six says, be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished in the word the nourishment of a believer is the Word of God, and we need it like a baby needs milk. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you would, uh, you would never not feed your baby, right? And we are all like babies, and we need to read the Book of the Bible to, feed, to be to be nourished, to be fed, to be strong Christians, to be able to go out to be able to be servants of the Lord, to, to actually do action. You need to be nourished. You need to read the book. You need to read the word of the Bible. You know, the word of God, it is alive itself. It gives life and it sustains life. But let me give you a warning. Reading this book is habit forming. Regular use causes loss of anxiety and a decreased appetite for sin. If you read too much of it for too long, you'll, you will experience an increased sensation of love, peace, joy, and compassion. And you too will realize how the word of God is eternal and life-giving and how you have been born of the unperishable seed. Amen. So let me pray for Heavenly Father, um, you know, you're alive. Jesus Christ, you're alive. You're the living word of God. The book, the Bible, never gets obsolete. Even through generations and generations and years and years, thousands of years, this book is never dead. People will always be able to read it. People will always be able to find application in it. And even in a time like this, this book isn't dead. It still brings life. And I feel that this book is needed more than ever in this time, Lord. So I pray as, a, as a Christians, Lord, we do not be malnourished or undernourished, but we, we, read, but we read the word and we, we drink that milk so we become strong Christians, Christians who can go out, Christians who can do your work and actually have a base of knowledge of who you, who you actually are, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.